0: When I look at a picture of planet Earth taken from space, I don't see a big blue marble or a giant multicolored beach ball. I see a giant pizza with blue cheese and garlic cream sauce. And all the living creatures are trying to get their slice of the pie. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. It's been said, happiness is a tub of ice cream. And no one's happier than Dr. Maya Warren. She's an ice cream scientist and my guest on Life Slices. So we're here today on Life Slices with Dr. Maya Warren. Maya Warren is an ice cream scientist. What is an ice cream scientist?
1: Ice cream scientist is... Pretty much anyone and everyone's dream, whether you're five-year-old, five years old, or 85 years old, it is, it is a beautiful science that allows someone to fall so deep deeply in love with frozen aerated desserts. So that's ice cream, gelato, frozen yogurt, frozen custard, you name it. Anything frozen. Aerated, typically with with some type of fat. So in, in the case of ice cream, milk fat, but it could be you know other types of fat if it's like a non dairy frozen aerated dessert. But I studied um, the ins and outs of of ice cream and the melt behavior and the textural properties and the processing conditions and you know ingredient effects on how we. If, Appreciate their products sensorially. And so I studied that for about six and a half years and I just, I just love ice cream.
0: <laughs> what inspired you to become an ice cream scientist?
1: You know, see, that's a really good question because so much of my life is just about being happy that I never knew that ice cream was my calling. And so for me, I remember I was a, a six year old little girl. And I remember getting an easy bake oven and then I remember getting like the ice cream version of the easy bake oven still with the plastic pieces and all of that. And I remember getting it and ripping open the package of some kind of powder substance, probably sugar and maybe nonfat dry milk and something else and pouring it in the pouring in the bowl and mixing it with like cream or water or whatever they told me to do. And mixing it and then getting rock salt and ice and, you know, churning it and scraping off the ice cream, the ice cream and eating it and being like, this is not good. It's so salty. But it was because I think some of the liquid from the brine solution dripped into the ice cream. But it was so incredibly wonderful for me to make it myself. And so from a six-year-old all the way to where I am now and still having that bright-eyed, bushy-tailed type of feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm really doing this. I'm living my dream. And I just happen to love anything and everything about ice cream. It is truly a unifying food. No matter where you are in the world, no matter where you are um, in terms of political, religious, you know, your, your gender, regardless, everyone enjoy some type of frozen aerated dessert. And for me, it's all of those little things kind of combined together that just have just make me really, truly fall in love with it and look at it not even as a job or a career. It's truly my lifestyle.
0: Is there an actual degree in ice cream science or is it something else?
1: I have a bachelor's in chemistry and then I have a PhD in food science. And then my research is in the microstructure, sensorial, and behavioral properties of frozen aerated desserts. So it's not just a degree in ice cream. My, my degree is in food science, but my specialty, I studied ice cream and frozen aerated desserts and the microstructure, sensorial, compositional properties of the food. And its, it's impact on how we eat it, what we enjoy about it, and all of that.
0: We, we are getting so many overachievers on this show. I am feeling like an absolute slug. What are some things about ice cream that would surprise most people?
1: So something about some about ice cream that surprised most people is that ice cream is so much more than the flavors themselves. There's so many textural nuances to ice cream that people don't think about, especially when it comes to air. Air is actually one of the main ingredients in ice cream. Uh, we measure air um, uh, something called overrun. It's a volume expansion of the liquid ice cream mix into ice cream. It's the expansion of volume, and so people don't even realize that air is an ingredient in ice cream. We have to have it because it's so incredibly important for the ice cream to be to be scoopable. The less air you have, the harder the ice cream could be, and the harder it could be to scoop. So if you go with some gro- some general grocery store brands like a Edie's or a Dryers. They're easier to scoop. They're more fluffy than a Haagen-Dazs, which is very dense, very heavy. So the amount of overrun in Haagen-Dazs is very low compared to the amount of overrun in an Edie's or a Dryer's is quite high. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means that texturally, there are differences. Ingredient-wise, there are differences. And most people also don't realize the true importance of sugar in ice cream.
0: And when you're talking about the texture... Uh, I was having some keto-friendly ice cream last night. It's like a brick; you can't get a spoon into it. What is it about all those so-called healthier ice creams that you—it's impossible to scoop them?
1: Steve, that is such a great question because it actually leans into what I was going to bring in with the sugar aspect. So, the keto ice cream—what do you see on the label, on the ingredient statement? You don't see your general sugar, your your. What sugar does is very similar to what salt does in the winter, put it on the roads when it snows. So it lowers the point at which the ice is going to freeze or or, or the, the water is going to turn into ice in the case of ice cream. And so when that happens, uh, sugar has a certain way of lowering the freezing point. And when you start replacing it with other sweeteners, you don't get the same results all the time. And as a result, you're going to have different textures. And also sometimes these formulas may not be completely balanced. I always talk about ice cream as a balanced equation because that's truly what it has to be. If you have too much water, it's going to be too, too hard. There's going to be too much ice that forms as a result in the final product. If you have too little water, it might be too sticky and not quite hold up properly. So there's a balanced equation of what it means to be able to actually trap in air cells because the air cells are not be, are not in the ice cream mix. Ice cream mix then becomes ice cream when the air cells get in there and the fat globules begin to do something called partially coalesce. And so sometimes in these ice cream, in these ice cream type products that aren't your traditional ice cream, 10% or more milk fat is the traditional ice cream in the, in the United States. And when you have these non-traditional ice cream products that you try to mimic ice cream, whether it's by replacing fat or replacing the sugar, you're changing that balanced equation. And so it's oftentimes very difficult to tap into that ice cream type product when you can't replace the sugar properly, because although it may taste great, the freezing point depression is off. Your total solids are off. You're putting maybe stabilizers in there, gums like xanthan gum, locust bean gum, guar gum, you know, carrageen, there's all different types of gum stabilizers out there that people use to help thicken the mix if there's too much water. But in a result, you're getting like a different texture, sometimes slimy, sometimes just not what's desirable. So there's all different kind of things that happen. But believe you me, there is a true science.
0: When you mentioned locust bean gum, I've always seen that on the ingredients and it kind of freaks me out. I expect to find crickets in my ice cream. What is locust bean gum?
1: So it's, a, it's, a, it's what we call a stabilizer or like a hydrocolloid in ice cream or a gum. You, it's not gum as, we, as chewing gum, but it's called a gum in the classification. And basically what it is, is it's an ingredient that's used as a thickening agent. So I don't know if you've ever heard of people who might have a condition called dysphagia where they have trouble swallowing and they Mm -hmm. can't swallow water at its current viscosity. So you can use gums or thickening agents to put in there to help thicken the water so that they can swallow it. Same thing that can be used in ice cream. They can be used as thickening agents, but they also do something very important and functional. They help, Bind with water and hinder the excessive growth of ice crystals because ice crystals want to want to grow. That's that's what they do in the freezer. <laughs> but stabilizers and gums like locust bean gum, guar gum, all of them, they add textural properties. But they like with increasing the viscosity as a thickening agent. But they also help hinder the growth of ice crystals over time. So they really do help to um, extend the shelf life of your product under proper frozen conditions. Because regardless, our home freezers. Is what one of my professors used to call as a torture chamber because they cycle, they cycle through temperatures. And ice cream ideally likes to kind of be really, really, really happy at one temperature. It doesn't need to cycle. The more it cycles, the more uh, water, the, sorry, the more ice that then melts to water and then refreezes into ice. And the more you do that over time, eventually those, that little ice crystal that started off maybe as 20 microns will eventually grow to 30. It'll eventually grow to 50. It'll eventually grow to 70. And eventually we'll start feeling it on the, on our, our, um, our tongue. And that's when we're like, oh, why is this ice cream icy all of a sudden? It's because it's gone through a cycle in our freezer or we've left it out on the counter accidentally for a couple of hours and we put it back in the freezer and we're like, oh, I wanted to eat this.
0: This explains why the ice in my ice maker is always congealed. I always have to go in and break up the ice.
1: It does. It indeed does. It gets, it gets warm and then it kind of freezes back together, but it happens. It's a slow process. It happens over time. So it's not going to happen just overnight unless you leave your freezer door ajar, you know, something like that, but you're right. Over time it will happen.
0: I'm learning so much here. I don't know if I'll ever be able to eat ice cream the same way again,
1: but I promise you, you'll enjoy it even better.
0: (coughs) What is your position now? What do you do?
1: So I'm a consultant in the, in the ice cream industry.
0: And who do you consult with? What are people looking for when they consult with you?
1: People are looking for um, whether it's a existing company or a startup, they're looking for help with mixed recipes, they're looking at looking for help with flavor development, they're looking for help with troubleshooting existing products. It's all, anything that revolves around ice cream is like, hey, can you help me scale up? Can you help me figure out what's wrong with my formula? Or can you help me do a certain type of new frozen aerated dessert? that maybe we're not used to or doesn't quite exist yet. Or maybe it's popular in in international countries, but not popular in America, but they want to bring it here. And how do we do that?
0: Earlier, I asked about the keto ice creams and the texture on that. Is that kind of the holy grail of ice cream now is trying to make a healthy ice cream that has the right texture?
1: Yes, that is such a goal for companies all over and a desire for consumers <laughs> because we we grew up on ice cream weekend with family and going to get your favorite ice cream or custard or sorbet or you know whatever it is and you as a kid you have it on the cone and it's dripping everywhere. I mean everyone has that ex- amazing experience. And so being able to still have your cake and eat it too is the desire. So when it comes to packing protein in ice cream or removing the, the sugar if it's keto or not having the dairy fat um, and all of these ice cream type products, the, the holy grail is to try to mimic ice cream because that's what people know. That's what people have, been, have grown up with and have loved. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes it just doesn't work. And as researchers and as people in the food industry, you go back to the drawing board and you try to make the best product possible. What happens now is that the market is so incredibly competitive. It's so competitive where things are just coming out and they're like flying to the shelves. And it's like sometimes I wish that the research could catch up faster uh, to even produce a better, better, a much better product. But I would say, you know, from ten years ago to where we are now in the non-dairy or, or alternative ice cream products, I think that we've come a long way. We still have a ways to go, but I'm really happy. Uh, to see the progress that has been made. And I'm excited for the progress that will be made.
0: It seems to me when I was growing up, and this will t- tease something about my age, but I only recall having vanilla chocolate and strawberry. And I hated strawberry. When did all these different flavors start coming into being?
1: I think the, new, the flavors of ice cream have always been around. Because even when I even before ice cream was ever created, way back when, when they were using snow and putting honey and, and, and nectar and fruit. And, you know, so there's always that combination of something cold with something sweet. When it comes to flavors themselves, maybe maybe it's a regional thing. I'm, I'm not sure because I, I grew up with all different kinds of flavors. So I'm, I'm not really sure whether it was a standard thing at some time. But sometimes it's all depending upon what society's ready for. And maybe society wasn't ready for the salted caramels and the cookies and creams and all of that. And so it was like safe and easy just to have vanilla chocolate and strawberry and which is still standard and easy today. Ice cream itself, Steve is a, is truly a blank canvas. When I look at ice cream mix, I look at it as if it is my piece of canvas and it's art. It's waiting for me to be able to throw anything and everything at it. So if I want to make a super wacky, funky ice cream and it's like, I'm going to make ketchup ice cream today. And I just want to make a different type of vanilla, a vanilla ice cream. So it's literally so incredibly forgiving. But the true beauty of it is, is that people like different things. It's why there's so many different ice cream companies on the market is because no 10 million people love the exact same thing. And so some people might like super high overrun products. People might like super low overrun products, low fat, high fat, no sugar, sugar, It just depends, and some people may not care about texture, and all they care about is the flavor. And so, some some companies really focus on having amazing flavors because that's what people really are drawn to. But making sure, of course, the texture is where they want it to be as well.
0: Have you ever made a hot dog and mustard ice cream?
1: You know, Steve, I have not, and after ketchup, I don't plan on doing it.
0: You really did make a ketchup ice cream.
1: I actually didn't make this one, but I had it, and it was red and it tastes (laughs) like ketchup. And I do not desire to have it again. As an ice cream scientist, I'm always willing to try it at least once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is the worst flavor of ice cream you've ever had?
1: The worst flavor of ice cream I've probably ever had is honestly tied between ketchup ice cream, Dorito ice cream, and a, a Probably uh, durian. I, I'm not. I'm not a durian fruit lover, so it's.
0: I don't even know what that is.
1: Oh, it's uh like the stinky fruit from Southeast Asia.
0: <laughs> right there, I, that doesn't sound appealing. But
1: it's a delicacy. It's a it's a thing. Um, for for me, it just it just wasn't my thing. I actually don't mind durian sometimes by itself, but in the ice cream form, I just didn't love it per se. The thing is, is like to to today, I could go make an anchovy ice cream, and I could. Probably tell you it would not be delicious, but I could go make it. Could make it into anything and everything, and that's the true beauty of the food itself.
0: And what's the best flavor you've ever tried?
1: Tied for this is this is what I what I like. So again, everything is you know it's 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 individual because it's my taste buds for what I like and what I don't don't like of what things that I've made. But I'm a cookies and cream lover. So you give me those uh, chocolate sandwich cookies, whether it's Oreo or some other kind of brand. You put that with an amazing full fat, high fat ice cream with some amazing, delicious vanilla notes, whether it's from Mexican vanilla or Indonesian or or Madagascar. And you put that on a fairly low overrun product and it's amazing. And I just, I love cookies and cream. I also make one called double buttered candy pecan. I, where I butter my own pecans and I put all kind of just so much love and goodness in it. And, one reason why it's my, one of my favorites is because of the smiles that it puts on people's faces and the warmth it puts in people's hearts. And so food for me is so much more than the eating experience. It is really how it makes someone feel with ice cream. The beauty of it that's already been given to us is that we have these amazing reactions to it. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, I love this. Or wow, I remember this when I was a kid or, you know, whatever it might be. I just really love that about it. So that's actually why the double butter candy pecan is one of my favorites.
0: Do you recall the first ice cream flavor you ever created?
1: First ice cream flavor I ever created, outside of when I was that little six-year-old girl making it and I had a lot of the brine solution in it, um, probably was with my family. And I remember making a vanilla custard, treating it more as a sundae. So we would eat it a bowl and put on... Our toppings on top, whether it was whipped cream and cookies and all of that kind of stuff. Because my brother loves cookie dough, but I I've, I've always loved Oreos or cookies and cream more. So he would be able to do his cookie, and I would be able to do my uh, cookies and cream. But that, that's what I remember is making it as a family, more of like the vanilla frozen custard, the old school hand crank machine or the electric machine. But that's my first vivid memory of something that tastes good.
0: I had one of those hand crank things, and I just recall that it was always disappointing. It took a lot of work. And you'd put this thing together and it never quite actually tasted like ice cream.
1: Yeah. So the, the difference between like a hand crank machine and that's using a brine solution, so the rock salt and ice versus getting a pint of ice cream from the grocery store, they could use the same ingredients. You could take the exact same mix, use it in three different ways. Maybe you could use it on a uh, in a home, home freezer, like the hand crank with the brine solution. You could use it in like a batch freezer, which is a standalone unit that can freeze ice cream in about maybe 12 minutes or so, 8 to 12 minutes, and then you could put it into a continuous freezer, which is what your pints of ice cream at the grocery store are typically made made in and it's continuously pumping ice cream in and out and it could fill uh, thousands of thousands of pints of ice cream in a day. When it co- the difference is the same ice cream mix can be put in all three of those machines, but the difference is, is the residence time, the time in which and how long how long it takes for the product to freeze. In your home, in your home freezer, the crank with the brine solution, it's taking maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes to freeze. So the longer it takes to freeze, the more ice that's able to form because there's free water regardless. Does that free water have more or less time to freeze is the question. Brine solution method, the free water has so much time to freeze. And so it's slowly freezing into these ice crystals. And that's why it comes out a little bit, a bit icy. And also it doesn't have air being pumped in, nor does it have, it, nor is the dasher, the blade inside of the container or inside of the barrel, nor is that black dasher whipping very fast. So the rotation speed of the dasher is very slow. So you're not trapping in, you're not trapping in air either. So your textural components are extremely different. Then when you go to a batch freezer where you have a barrel and you have refrigerant uh, solution around the barrel, like a Freon or, you know, anything like that around the barrel. And then you have a dasher in there that's rotating, you know, 50 RPM per, per, per minute or whatever, whatever it might be. It's rotating very fast. You're then whipping in air and you're freezing in, you know, over in, in, in uh, less than half the time uh, compared to a brine solution and, and a batch freezer. But then you even go to a t- continuous freezer where you're freezing even faster and the dasher is even more powerful. You're injecting air. And so your ice crystal nucleation time is very different because the resonance time of your product in the freezer is drastically different. So you will get a different product, even though it's the same ice cream mix, you'll get a different product over time.
0: I'm just going to the store and buying it. There is so much more to the product than just taking this ice concoction out of the freezer.
1: And that's the beauty of food science is that understanding what I like to call food science as a merger between the art and science of food. We are creators, we are scientists, we are, we are artists and trying to discover and uncover, but also teach what food really is. And being able to introduce people to Maillard Browning that we see every day, you know, toast going in a, and a a bread going in a toaster and coming out darker. That is a chemical reaction that's happening. But we don't think about it like that. We think about it, oh, I'm just going to make toast. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) so there's, there's so much science in food and science, not, not, to be used as a scary word, to be used as a way for people to be able to become closer to their food and more knowledgeable of their food. And so as food scientists, we really look to make sure that your food is safe, your food tastes good, your food is, is, is healthy. And that your food has a shelf life and that you don't have to throw your milk away in one day because it wasn't pasteurized or, you know, anything like that. Right. And, I, but one day I'm exaggerating, but you, you know what I mean. And so as food scientists, we really work to make sure that there's actual knowledge behind it and not just making the food itself. Because I think that sometimes the word science can scare people. But one of my goals is to be able to break that barrier. And and using ice cream as a way to do it makes it even that much more fun, honestly, (laughs) because people, everyone loves ice cream.
0: You don't look like a, a heavy woman. You look pretty thin. How do you do it working with ice cream all day?
1: You know, Steve, I, I would I wouldn't be honest if I said this is the first time I ever got this question. <laughs> I get this question often. And I always tell people, I do eat a lot of ice cream. I actually had ice cream for dessert last night. And but when I'm making ice cream, I taste more than I eat. So I'll taste a little bit on a spoon. And sometimes I have to expectorate. Sometimes I do not swallow it because when I'm tasting, it's not about how it makes me. Feel when it's going down my esophagus. It's about my taste buds and the textural properties. And so I taste and then sometimes I have to, you know, spit it out um, if that's my choice. But sometimes I do when I'm just eating it for pleasure. I'm actually eating and swallowing, you know, going through that whole whole action. But I also work out. I also. Um, and, and vegetarian and you know, try to keep my carbs, you know, low outside of ice cream. I always tell people I just I just get my carbs from ice cream. Like that's my life. But when I'm making ice cream, I taste more than I eat. So I'll taste a little bit on a spoon. And sometimes I have to expectorate. Sometimes I do not swallow it because when I'm tasting, it's not about how it makes me feel when it's going down my esophagus. It's about my taste buds and the textural properties. And so I taste, and then sometimes I have to, you know, spit it out um, if that's my choice. But sometimes I do when I'm just eating it for pleasure. I'm actually eating and swallowing, you know, going through that whole whole action. But I also work out. I also am and, and vegetarian and, you know, try to keep my carbs low outside of ice cream. I always tell people, I just, I just get my carbs from ice cream. Like, that's my life.
0: I don't know if I could do that job. I, I think I would be 400 pounds if I did. I don't know that I'd be able to spit it out. Just like I don't understand people who work in the wine industry taking a sip and then spitting it into a bottle. Bu- no, I, if I'm taking a sip, I'm swallowing it.
1: Ice cream won't get you woozy, but but I totally understand why they have to spit out the wine because too much over time is just too much. But even in ice cream, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have a huge a huge tasting and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't taste anything else because your mouth is so worn out. It's a, it's a lot of fat and sugar that's hitting your taste buds, hitting your mouth. And so you're like, oh, this tastes really good. But I almost over time, it's like you can't even really taste it as much anymore because and then it's cold too, which which also is amazing, but also doesn't help with eating a lot of it over time because <laughs> your, your, your taste buds just get worn out. The beauty of food science in general is that we have to taste our food. We have to taste the food that we're making, that we're putting out there to make sure that it is safe, to make sure that however it's being described on the package, that it is crunchy. Even if it's been on the shelf for a couple of weeks, it's still going to be crunchy, whether it's the packaging scientists working with the food scientists working with the food engineers. It's just it's just a beautiful thing.
0: Very often when we go to a, an ice cream shop and you want to get a multi scoop cup of ice cream, is there something we should consider when we're mixing the different flavors? We'll go, we We just go, I'll take a scoop of that and a scoop of that, and a scoop of that.
1: You know, it. Can impact the experience. Um, if, if you're literally mixing them, meaning you are getting your scoop and then you, and you're taking your spoon and you're mixing. So you're melting the ice cream as you physically mix. There's friction. There's a bit of heat being exerted out from the mixing process. And as the ice cream melt, it's a different eating experience than if the ice cream is very firm and cold, which is why some people actually like to put their ice cream in the microwave just a little bit. Just a little bit. They like, they like to melt it. When it's colder, it's not perceived as sweet because it's, it's, it's just our, our, our taste receptors don't perceive it to be quite as sweet. So when it's a little bit warmer, warmer, it's still cold, it's still frozen, but a little bit warmer and it's a little bit looser. Some people like that better, um, because they don't really like very, very, very cold ice cream. If you are getting, you know, three different scoops of ice cream and three different, three different butter pecan or strawberry and chocolate, whatever, you know, whatever it might be, eating them, it's, it's all these flavor combinations that people might love together. And it's the, it's the same thing as taking bread and dip, dipping it in different oils or different balsamic vinegars. And it's, it's kind of different eating experiences depending upon how you're enjoying it. So you could have three scoops of ice creams. And then you could have a multitude of eating experiences because you could combine the butter pecan with the strawberry, then the strawberry with the chocolate, then the chocolate with the butter. You know what I mean? There's so many different eating, and then all three together. It really just depends upon the person. Um, but I'm really not one for like whipping the ice cream all together, and I like kind of in doing it individually. But again, it's it's very uh, it's a personal eating experience. So the way people eat ice cream and how they eat ice cream is very much so. For their own desire, and I, I just love that people eat it and uh, enjoy it in so many different ways.
0: Well, that, that's what I will do. I will, I will take out a scoop of ice cream and I let it sit for a while so that it will soften up. Because I had growing up back east, it was the Carvel experience. You know, it was that soft serve that was just so different from all other ice cream.
1: You know, you hit on something really important. Is sort of this nostalgia aspect that's related to ice cream. You're taking your uh, container of ice cream. And you're scooping a scoop and you're leaving it on the counter just for a little bit to let it melt just a little bit because it reminds you of something, reminds you of your childhood, reminds you of growing up in those happy moments. And so that's literally what ice cream is for me. It reminds me of my childhood, those amazing moments. One of the beauties of food science is that it is a very relatable science. We all have this relationship with food whether good or bad or in between, we all have a relationship with food. And so we can relate to it. So when we talk about the, the science of, of, of ice cream or the science of food in general, and I talk about ice crystals and, and air cells and you know fat globules and partially coalesced fat globules, people can begin to understand it because you eat it. And it's like, oh yeah, I, I have had icy ice cream or oh yeah, I have had ice cream that's a, that feels a little greasy or a little slimy on the mouth. And Oh, I didn't know that's because the ice cream might be overly partially coalesced, meaning the agglomeration of fat globules. I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't realize that I actually like ice cream that's more fluffy, meaning that it has more air in it. All these things that people don't realize. So the same thing with when when I talked about people putting ice cream in the microwave, or in your case, leaving it out on the counter for a little bit, there's a reason behind it. And having that relationship with food and bringing up those amazing, really fun, warm and cozy memories. Um, is one of the true, one of the beauties of a science like food science.
0: So if you do want to put your ice cream in the microwave, how long should you put it in for and at what power so that people aren't just making a melted mess?
1: So I would say I'm not sure about the power. I, I mean I don't I don't do this. I do not put my ice cream in the microwave. I've actually never put my ice cream in the microwave. but I would say take your scoop, put it in the microwave for like five to seven seconds. And then take it out if it's where you want it to be. If it's not, put it back in for about five seconds. Because once you melt it, you can't refreeze it and it be exactly the same. You have to, right. you have to, you have to tread very lightly. It's like, it's like, it's like truly a blank canvas. Once you take your, if you have all these different kind of colors and paint brushes and you're just flinging paint at the canvas and you're just going to town it's on there, you know? So it's the same thing, same thing with ice cream.
0: That's the whole scoop for this episode, but there are more treats coming from Dr. Maya in our next Life Slices, including her being part of the winning team on The Amazing Race. Join us. If you enjoyed this program, please subscribe and like us on social media and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fezlian Studios.